Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Welcome to A Special Place in Hell, the podcast where an aging Gen X author and a self-hating millennial activist come together to thoroughly and conclusively solve our culture war problems with our combined wit, wisdom, and most importantly, lived experience. I am the aging Gen X author, Megan Daum, and with me is the self-hating millennial, Sarah Hader. Hi, Sarah. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Megan. Uh, what are your Thanksgiving plans? Uh, I am not cooking, as usual. Mm-hmm. I very rarely mm-hmm. cook. I'm just going to a friend's house. I'm going. Nice. Going to cook for a whole bunch of people. Uh, Friendsgiving. Friends. Yeah, but I mean, um, you know, there's going to be my friend Mike. It's going to be his his family uh, and uh, many friends. And he he's been cooking very very large Thanksgiving meals for many years. So I haven't been to one in a while. So that. That is good. Uh, what about you? I feel like you're probably cooking, like you're going to just host and it's you're going to like trad out fully. Oh, man. If only I would love to, actually. I like hosting and I like cooking and I would like to do it. But no, uh, it takes too much time and prep and uh, can't be a part of that. And <laughs> the other thing is that Thanksgiving is something that I'm like slowly adopting over the years. It's not like a big old immigrant, you know, like it's not something Mm. easy for because the football's involved and all this stuff that's like very, you know, American. Um, And like my parents didn't understand Thanksgiving. Um, Obviously the historical context or, or mythology, I should say, uh, they didn't know too much about, but then everything else about it was kind of confusing too. Like, why are we eating it too? And why, oh. you know, <laughs> why, you why do we have to, to watch football? That's see. Yeah, yeah. 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 But you we know, like it a, a yeah. cranberry sauce, it's not, Ugh. you know, <laughs> out, out of <laughs> a can. why is it shaped? What is it molded? Well, why are we, eat, why, why are we even eating it? That's my question. Yeah. That's um, like, that's what do you pair it with? I don't central, understand. Central American question. Yeah. So I, so this, this was not something I traditionally, Thanksgiving was not something I traditionally grew up with. It was something I experienced when I like went to a friend's house. Mm. Um, and my first real Thanksgiving wasn't until, um, yeah, I was in my like early twenties was, I, I went to like a coworker's house and I did not know what to expect. And then there was food like dinner <laughs> at, yeah, two. Like it was so early, yeah, and I was yeah. like, well, I don't understand what 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 are you talking about? Like this is what. <laughs> um, I don't why think is that, there's a rule the that it has to. That I, that's not true. People can have Thanksgiving dinner whenever they want. We always had it uh, at normal dinner time. But why do some people have it early? I have no idea. I think because they plan to eat so much that they oh, want like to have a, it it's a in, feast. The, in the middle it's of the all day. day, or they've been okay. fasting, or they haven't eaten the day before. Probably unlikely, but. Um, no, I've had it at different times. I've uh, had it gone to people's house and it's at four or five and we always had it. That's still time. really, that's still so early. Yeah, that is early. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Growing up, we, we were not, I remember a friend of mine came to my family's Thanksgiving one year, like in college or something. And like, she couldn't believe 
like we hardly had any food compared to what she was used to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, um, the Thanksgivings that I've been to since have just been an incredible amount of food. And I love it. I love that. And I have strong opinions on Thanksgiving food, despite being like I find kind that of a easy to recent. believe. Yeah. 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 Um, where do you land on the pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie divide? I, I like pecan pie. Okay. I like pecan okay. pie. And um, I really um, like stuffing. Everybody likes stuffing. That has to mm-hmm, be the best dish. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm like so not a foodie. I mean, it's almost pathological. I just I get really bored like when people start describing food or have strong opinions really? about it, my eyes just really? kind of glaze over. I know. It's really I weird. feel like but that's not that's that's out of type, you know, like you're supposed to be really into like far- I, you know what I did the, the, just today? I somebody shared a a quiz on Twitter of how upper class or low class or whatever cl- what class your your tastes are in food you like. Oh, I know. And then you would like, you would see like a sloppy Joe and you'd be like, do you want this? Or, you know, how much do you want this? Or how much do you not want this? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, tartar, like beef tartar thing (laughs) and, you know, all this stuff. Um, I have uh, upper middle class tastes according to this. Yeah. I'm sure I have lower. I'm sure I have working class to lower class. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because uh, that's what my parents' backgrounds were, and they just they they were real strivers in many many areas, really trying to know a lot about the arts, sort of. And uh, you know, my mother was like completely obsessed with proving that she was more sophisticated than how she'd been raised, but it never really translated over to food. Strangely, interesting. Yeah, hmm. like, we ate a lot of like fried chicken out of the box, like Swanson's. Not for Thanksgiving, Aww. but just generally. Yeah, but everybody did back then. Everybody ate like frozen food, <laughs> like TV dinners. That was a huge treat. Like when we had a babysitter, really? we got to have a TV dinner. Oh, my God. So exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a little like, sad to me. No. Like, I mean, maybe it isn't, but it it, it sounds a little sad. I, I mean, now my, it's unthinkable. Well, right. Now it's like a crime. It, it's abuse. Child protective child abuse. services. Yeah. <laughs> You know, actually, now frozen meals have improved so much. Like, you really can get a really good meal, sometimes better than takeout from from some places. Yeah. Um, I've been very impressed by what the, the frozen meal industry has been able to accomplish. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> but, but growing up, I had, like, my mom made hand-cooked every meal. Um, and I, yeah. I was shocked to to know that people didn't people didn't always have like a home cooked meal all the time, yeah. um, you know. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not going to have the time to cook as often as I would like. There's going to be a lot more TV dinners in my household for sure. Yeah, but they're flat screen TV dinners. Oh yeah, like nice much, ones, much better. Like Trader Joe's. Yeah, you know, chicken high def masala. Yeah, like good high good def stuff. TV dinners. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. So you're not, are you cooking anything tomorrow? What are you going to make to bring? Oh gosh. I haven't thought about that. You haven't thought about it? We're recording this on Wednesday evening, by the way, folks. Thanksgiving. I can make a green bean casserole. I'm pretty Mm. good at that. Yeah. I can do that. That's an easy one. 
there's all yeah i can make a lot i can make a lot i can whip i can whip up a lot of things so that's one good thing about like knowing how to cook is like you can kind of just throw something together and people like it yeah that's a very good skill all right. Well, um, I'm sure people are going to be traumatized by Thanksgiving because the main narrative about it is that you have to go and sit at a table with your uh, problematic relative. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I might be the problematic person at the Thanksgiving yeah. table. That's actually. nice. That's a good. I think that's a I good place to be. Too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm like very. You know, I, I don't really talk about politics with my family you don't talk about trans like just break everything yeah i mean it would, well that sometimes we talk about but they're mostly confused um but i just can't you know like it, i just i just can't do it there's too many p- points of disagreement and it just aggra- aggravates me um and it's like because they're like because they're 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 not quite on either the right or the left because they're they're my family is i come from a obviously a uh, Muslim family. So there, there's a lot of social conservatism mixed in with just oddball foreign policy takes, mm-hmm. conspiracy theories, you know, oh, it, it's just, <laughs> but like weird ones, like very just odd ones. And then, uh, you know, and then just like a, a lack of knowledge about, you know, normal, I guess, American politics. That's, that's just a little bit frustrating. So I, it's not worth it. It's not worth having that conversation. Wow, it's very restrained. Yeah, so uh, I people are going to be talking about this uh, shooting in this club in Colorado. I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this story, but it's, it's so un- unknown what the facts are at this point that I'm, I'm reluctant to talk about it. Although, okay, so what what we do know is this, this was a gay club in Colorado Springs. Um, somebody came in, uh, shot a bunch of people, killed several people. And we know this guy, is this like a white guy? Of course. Although at one point he was being bullied in such a way online that he was being called a uh, homosexual Asian. I don't know if that. What? Just a, that's yeah, just a, gen- a generic uh, uh, insult. But okay. So now, uh, and, and the other thing is like, he's being, he's identifying now as non-binary or he has in the past. Are you but then you can the call him he. I'm oh, sorry. Yes, the actual uh, the um the like the the reporting in the Times I think was calling him they, of course. Yeah. Because well, well, I did see some people like denying their identity, um, which I thought was pretty funny. Denying uh, the shooter's identity. Yeah, and saying that this that, that they picked it up. Uh, he we'll just go with he picked it up uh, only to, you know, to get out of the hate crime. Um, you know, pe- right, uh, right, to, just to get out of that charge, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I thought it was pretty, thought it was pretty interesting. It's fun how we can just adopt identities and then, and then refuse to believe them sometimes whenever it's convenient. Yeah, and now there's footage going around of his father. There's an interview with his father that is like completely insane. The guy's totally tweaked out on meth, and he's saying. Uh, like when I heard about this shooting, my first thought was, oh no, is he gay? I hope he's not gay. We're Mormon. We don't do gay. I mean, it's like bananas. It's horrible. Do Mormons do meth? Um, (laughs) 
I mean, because this uh, well, guy was on meth, right? Like this guy, that he's was on meth. something. I mean, it's really strange. If you look at the footage, he actually looks like he has almost like he has cerebral palsy, like his his fists are sort of curled up and his wrists. Oh, my and gosh. The way what he's if it, moving it turns around. out he's disabled the whole time and we're we're saying that he's tweaking and making fun of well him. i i mean and then and then i'm seeing um somebody says he was on the show intervention i'm seeing on twitter that he was also that the father uh his name's aaron brink he's 48 years old that he was a former porn star i don't know mm, uh, okay. porn star dad this is in the daily beast porn star dad of okay, colorado massacre like, why is everyone why does everyone get like the porn star designation now everybody's a star you do That's... porn once and you're a, like, <laughs> right. you know you're, what i mean you're just, a, you know, you're just a working porn actor right let's be exactly. honest. okay yes yes yeah so more will come out about this family i'm sure or maybe it won't like what do you think it would take to have this story just kind of disappeared I mean, it it feels like it's all people are already like there's some weird weird stuff happening already. Like as soon as it came out that that the news broke of the shooting, instantly all over Twitter there were you know and that there there was uh, we condemned this shooting and hate crimes against you know and and everybody was blaming. Uh, people who were upset about drag shows, I guess, like somehow, somehow it became very yeah. clear that they were related and uh, these guys were to blame. And I remember thinking, you know, we really need to stop <laughs> making all these assumptions. Can we just wait a couple of hours? Let, you know, let, let, pe- let, pe- let the dead be buried and then we can start well, pointing fingers. Buried. Let yeah. them be, uh, you know, Named, I, accounted for, just, yeah, right, you know, yeah. <clears throat> tagged in the mortuary in the morgue. I mean, it's yeah, I. It's so frustrating because there are a lot of people upset about Drag Queen Story Hour, and in ca- in some cases you can't blame them, but that's completely not what's happening here. I just feel like everything is just such a clusterfuck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's so frustrating. Um, and uh, yeah, I was watching, uh, I was watching something about the drag queen story hour and it's, I think it was like a Tucker Carlson clip. Oh, he was interviewing Chris Rufo. So like Chris Rufo was talking and they're showing, um, Oh, I know it was somebody talking about the Tucker Carlson interview. Sorry, whatever. It was a left leaning outlet. So they're showing like a very sort of just normal looking uh, drag queen not particularly provocatively dressed, uh, reading some stories to kids. Okay, fine. And then they're sitting there saying, what's the, what's the big deal about this? These people are going hysterical over this. Shame on them. This is just a normal person. Let them be. But what are we supposed to do with all the footage that we see of like extreme, you know, clearly autogynephilic trans women interacting with children in a really strange, inappropriate way? Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, is it true? Is that stuff not happening? We is wouldn't... it only happening on lips of TikTok? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not hard to find that like kind of evidence if you like follow enough turf accounts, I guess. Right. But it's crazy yeah. making because it's like, oh, there's a whole world of that exists and it's not one that we can have an intelligent conversation about or even or even mention exists you know mention the possibility of it existing um without being automatically accused of a lot of things 
um, you know, ultimately, this is going to be something that some people know about, like th- these kinds of maybe maybe they're edge cases. I hope they're edge cases. Um, but certainly we open the door to this kind of thing and we have to acknowledge that we do and we have to acknowledge that it's real. I'm get, I get really frustrated when I, you know, bring up the anything about self-ID because the the first response, you know, is is that what are you what are you saying? Are you saying trans women will do X or Y or Z? Like, are you saying trans women pose a threat to people? Yeah, they're predators. It, it's like, yeah, like, are you saying that they're predators? It, it's it's like playing around with the definitions of what I'm saying in order to get me to say something that I'm not yeah. saying. And I don't Well, mean, this is like the right? Kathy Newman I- interview technique, right? Right. Jordan Peterson. So what you're saying is... Yes, yes. And, you know, and I will say something simple, like males, you know, uh, are responsible for, for this percentage of sexual assaults or you know predatory behavior whatever um and it's like so what you're saying (laughs) is that trans no i didn't say that i didn't if i wanted to say that i would have said that you know i didn't say that um (sighs) because i want to have a conversation about sex um well that's but yeah it's uh yeah that's my that that is my mistake uh Uh, yeah i know i thought it was interesting when we talked with katie herzog about the the drag queen stuff a lot of a lot of women just really don't like drag and we're yeah, not allowed to admit that yeah a lot of women really don't like drag actually it was interesting because there were some people that were talking about it in our um in on the comment section of our last episode there was a woman who who's nicole i believe All right, i'll put i'll pull it up who, who it actually was but one of our common commentators um paying subscribers uh she she mentioned how she wasn't she wasn't into drag she found it offensive the first time she saw it um and i think that's a response of a lot of women that's my that was my response too the first time i saw the very very first time i saw drag um i was i was offended i didn't know what else to be right (laughs) i I didn't know how else to interpret that was it like was it it was like rupaul drag yeah you know i mean yeah. And I remember thinking, what are you like, clearly you're making fun of something, but maybe you're not right. Like it, maybe the, maybe it has nothing to do with poking fun of things, but it just it definitely seemed as if these are exaggerated feminine behaviors. And yeah. there's it's a it's like a bit. So what's so who's who are we making fun of ultimately? You know, yeah, so it was hard I not to take it that way. But I so I think it's different for me anyway. It's a little bit different if they if the person is doing an impression of like a famous person. Like if you're in drag as Diana Ross or Barbara Streisand or mm, some mm. kind of diva, mm-hmm. it's like you're paying homage to that person. And mm-hmm. if you are a wonderful performer, mm-hmm. then that can be like entertaining sure. and artful. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, but that's not, I think that's not what I first saw. I think I, when I first saw right. it, it was just like a lot of makeup and heels and, exaggerated behaviors and I didn't I guess I didn't get it and I still don't get the appeal so much um I've had some you know gay men explain it to me um but I'm not really I'm not not friends with with the kinds of gay guys who would be super into drag um Mm. you know so I haven't I don't have a lot of insight into why this is uh extremely appealing but the other thing I don't like about it Besides the, I, I'm not that offended by it anymore. I think I was when I first 
when I first encountered it, I was a offen- little offended. Now it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me in terms of that anymore. Um, but I just don't like, I don't like that style. I don't like, I think it's, it's trashy looking, the gaudy, like the colors and the, you know. Yeah, well, we, we don't do like it. Glitter we're and not, all that. We're not that kind of girl. Yeah. Oh, is that, do girls like, it's horrible. Do I like, think do, it's horrible. But I think there's a certain kind of woman who really likes that. Like the kind of woman who has a lot Go, of gay yeah. male friends, flamboyant okay. friends. Yeah. And like, you know, she sort of likes to, you know, these are, mm. the, they can, like her girlfriends, but they're guys. Yeah. I, that's not my yeah. jam at all. The women that watch Drag Race. Yeah. Which is a lot of, like a lot of them, right? There's a lot lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I I certainly know women like this. uh, Mm. And it's, I I mean, I'm I'm friendly with women like this. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with it. I just, it's completely different from the way I am. So there was a a really famous documentary called Paris is Burning. came out in 1990. about the the drag scene in New York City and drag balls and it it really it was focused on a lot of um, black and Latino gay and transgender communities and it was a fantastic movie it was directed by a young white woman named Jenny Livingston and it was so good and so this was I think this was probably I guess this was the year you were born maybe you weren't even born yet but I remember when it came out and it was sort of a revelation and nobody had you know, the drag scene was not in the mainstream culture at all. It was like somebody was pulling back the curtain on this and it was won a lot of awards and it was in all the film festivals. Um, And uh, it it just, it was, it was terrific. And um, it's interesting now I'm actually reading this. It was uh, in 2016, the film was selected for preservation in the U S national film Mm. registry by the library of Congress as being, culturally historically or aesthetically significant now i don't know how hard it is to be selected for preservation in the u.s national not very hard yeah (laughs) a a white woman directing this film uh that would be unheard of now Mm, i'm actually surprised that jenny livingston has not been sort of retroactively canceled canceled yeah um the way kimberly pierce was for uh the brandon tina story boys don't cry uh so anyway, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. Um, hmm. I guess I'm fascinated by the dynamics of the culture. It's just, it's the aesthetics of it that I don't yeah. like at all, you know? And I don't like to spend my time that, like, it's like, it's also the, like the club kid aesthetics. You know what I'm talking right. about? Like, oh, very, yeah. it just, ugh, ugh. Yeah. I enjoyed well, watching I- Party Monster. You know, that was a good movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that is. But I, don't, I don't get that reference. Oh, you haven't you haven't seen? Oh, it was a it's a really weird movie. It's um, it stars Macaulay Culkin oh. um, as this club kid from, I guess the eighties nineties. I don't know exactly when, but um, way back way back in the day, um, in the New York club kid scene, and it follows this one club kid who became very famous uh, because. I mean, he was just like lead club kid, whatever. Um, and very like kind of a socialite in, in that scene. Uh, and then this, this guy killed somebody and then ended up serving time, uh, like chop, chop this person into like little pieces or whatever. Oh. And then ends up, yeah, it was, it's like gruesome. Um, and the, the, the movie follows this guy and Macaulay Culkin plays, um, plays club kid. It's really, 
really hmm. interesting. Yeah, it's okay. interesting, but it's just it's just it's something that I I find in my in my own life I would never you know, justice way, listen to that music, that kind of thing. Like I I I like the lesbian aesthetic, you know, Me too. it's the best. Yeah. In that it's not even (laughs) in that it's like, you know, a Columbia sweatshirt and, you know, (laughs) woolly socks. (laughs) Smith college sweatshirt. Uh, Yeah. Well, I think it's, I I don't like women who are like that. Like Mm -hmm. I don't like extremely like hyper feminine, hyper sexualized women. So I certainly, mm. why would I like men like that? I yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that's, a, yeah. Yeah. Even though, I mean, I, I occasionally will, I will indulge in dressing feminine from time to time. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, but, but, but yeah, you're right that there's, there's, there's this whole, there's a, there's a culture, there's a kind of woman, uh, there's the kind of, more, she, she listens, she's a Swifty, you know, now a swifty like you mean taylor you don't swift know yeah jonathan you know? swift taylor swift <laughs> taylor swift i'm yeah, so taylor old swift. that taylor swift, swift means jonathan swift yeah, yeah. that's that's adorable uh, so but... oh so being a swifty <laughs> is like being a, a bestie of of taylor swift it's being part of a fan club they have that that's their name for themselves uh, and they're insane they're completely insane um yeah i mean not all of them i guess obviously she has a very big fan base but they're very committed and it's like a very straight girl fan base taylor swift yeah oh my god so i did this profile of lena dunham for the new york times maybe like in 2014 this was in 2014 i realized i was misspeaking when i was talking about profiling elon musk that was that was in 2015 so 2014 i profiled lena dunham for this story in the new york times magazine it's great she's so great to interview i think i've probably said this before so uh, I interviewed her partly in New York. I, you know, hung out with her, followed her around, and then partly in Los Angeles. And we were having um, uh, coffee, you know, just kind of finishing up our interviews. And she doesn't drive. And so she was going to get we an Uber. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I just said, well, I'll just, I'll just drive you. She's like, I'm going to my friend's house. And I said, well, I'll just drive you, whatever. You know, like, I have my car. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. She's like, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the, the, instructions and she's like got her you know gps and she's we're trying to figure out how to get there we're like winding through the hills and all this and she's like okay um just don't tell anybody i'm just i'm just gonna tell you this don't tell anybody um we're going to taylor swift's house <laughs> <laughs> you're driving me to taylor swift's house right now that's where we're going that's my friend and so yeah wow. i dropped her off in front of some big gate some you didn't ask if you could gate. go in Okay, this is how I, this, in 2014, I think I, like, barely knew who Taylor Swift was. I, to this day, I don't think I could name any Taylor Swift song except for Shake It Off, which I love. Yeah, I really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know any fine. of her they're songs. Fine in, like, this pop, this pop, like, kind of superficial way. I think they're all good. I mean, um, I won't love Shake It Off as if, like, I would actually pay for it and listen to it of my own sure, volition yeah, but yeah, if it was playing yeah. i don't like you'd enjoy it yeah sure I, I feel that way with i feel that way about a lot of pop music where it's like it's fine it's on i sure i'm having oh, a good I mean, time, pop music now is horrifically bad just absolutely not all of it some of it well so there's like an indie music scene that's really good um yeah you know and pop is back into in in the indie scene which is interesting um, and it's it's so easy for anybody to produce music now. 
You know, you don't really well, need amazing. Yeah. It could, well, I mean, it's a problem, but it's also that a lot of people can be creative uh, without a lot of tools, you know, just like some tools, obviously, but without a lot of like professional help, you don't, you don't necessarily need like a studio um, and you can make some interesting music. So it, it, there's actually some, if you, if you stop listening to the radio you can find some interesting stuff. No, that's true. Yeah, no, I've yeah. discovered some new artists lately, but I just, the stuff that's in like in the top 40 or Oh, whatever, that's all garbage. Top 10, unbelievably bad. All garbage. I think it's designed to be listened to on your phone. I mean, just hmm. the production. It's just like oh, the compression right. and the mm. auto-tune and the, mm. it is just drag. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, well, I sound like a really yeah. old person, but no, no. I think these are well, that. I mean, there's there is something about the, there was the time that we shifted from even CDs to MP3s. I feel like I noticed yes. a difference in in audio quality in the songs that I liked, and it was kind of sad. Oh yeah, because they're not. Yeah, you're never gonna right. go back the other way. <laughs> you're just you never <laughs> have any interest in listening to vinyl, do you? It sounds expensive. It's expensive. Oh my gosh. You have to like, it's like a hobby. You have to collect things. You, you yeah. know, one time I rented an Airbnb and it had like a bunch of records and stuff. That, <laughs> that was is cool. a thing of Airbnbs. Yeah. Like, yeah. When you like to take Airbnb a picture, yeah. always has a turntable. Right. Yeah. And the Bob Dylan LP. Yeah. Yes. Right. And, uh, that's funny that you think it's expensive because when CDs came out, I think they were quite a bit more expensive than records. Uh, but yeah, so no, that was how whole... you, you listen to records and then absolutely. Yeah. And I then what a, a Walkman, player. you got a Walkman. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 I listen, I listened to records, uh, when I was a kid and then, well, we also, then we had cassettes and right. so that was exciting because you could, uh, record things off of the, the radio. radio. So you yeah, listen to the radio and you wait <laughs> for your favorite song to come on. And then when it came on, you would hold your little like yeah, portable yeah. cassette player up against the speaker and get like a terrible recording of it. Um, and then at some point, like I had the technology to like record directly, like, you know, you could plug yeah. something into something and it would sound better. But uh, yeah. And then CDs came out. I, the first CD I ever bought was Sting's Dream of the Blue Turtles, 1985. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good album. Good good record to have on CD. Mm-hmm. Very well, very high production value. Anyway, um, I don't know how we got on that. Drag queens. Kitsch, drag queens. Bad kid, culture. Bad culture. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Do the Swifties have a political ideology? Or are they uh, totally apolitical? They're, I think their political stance is like... Uh, the, the political stance of uh, of a chai latte, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you mean a pumpkin like, spice latte? Pumpkin spice latte. They're well, basic. Oh, well, bitch. sure, yeah, right. They're exactly. the basic bitch party. Yes, got it. Yes, yeah. That's all you need to know. That's that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we've what what were we talking? Yeah. What what were we covered talking that. about? But whatever know. it was, it, we uh, covered it, right? Thanksgiving yes. gonna be hard for people. Uh, whatever. Yes. Colorado shooter. Colorado drag, shooter. Gay, gay club. Drag being terrible. Uh, yeah. We will. We shall see what happens with the Colorado story. 
uh, right it's uh, how about people just like why, why, why don't we just just let let it all like fall where it's going to you know let's let's yeah, just find out more information a journalist and you're not right on the story you uh have uh, screwed up you gotta respond immediately yeah Oh. It's an, it's really, yeah, no, somebody said, a friend of mine said uh, today, like, oh, uh, here's my opinion about this. Here's, here's an idea I have about this Colorado shooting. And uh, maybe that's an op-ed. And I said, well, you could better write it right now. You better write it today. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, no, I can't. I got to get ready for Thanksgiving. I'm cooking. I was like, okay, well, then you're not, then it's not going to happen. Then yeah. you're not going to publish an op-ed. Like if you're mm-hmm. going to be an opinion, a person who's publishing their opinion, you have to be ready to drop everything you're doing and write that piece the minute. That sounds horrible to me. It's that horrible. sounds like a horrible life. It's, it's a horrible way to live. And But the people producing this content are living those horrible lives. Why? And that's why. the Because that's if you want to be an opinion writer, you have to respond immediately. And it's just it's Otherwise always going to be, you know, but regardless of where you land on the issue, if it's so early, so quick, you know, it it ha- it has to be kind of a thoughtless take or That's a very, right. very superficial take. It has to be. There's no other, even if you're a very intelligent person, there's no way to form uh, a good opinion if the take happens that quickly. I just don't understand it. I don't understand these. Uh, That's just the these, these metabolism yeah. of this media uh, landscape. Mm. It's pretty pretty sad. Anyway, all right. Well, glad so, we don't have that problem here because we're just going to react to things very very late, right? And mm-hmm. what are we? So what are we talking today? Our our main course, the yes. the turkey of the of the conversation. Here's the thing: <laughs> I hate turkey. That's I don't. You know, that's the other thing. I, why can't we just have chicken? Why can't we just have stuffing? Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the um, stuffing okay, of the, of the, the stuffing conversa- of the conversation <laughs> is birth control. Yes, uh, Megan watched a documentary, and I watched part of the documentary, and I read a book on it recently, and we've been thinking about it, and uh, there's a lot to chew on. Um, so, tell me, what did you think of the the, the documentary? Well, before I, before I tell you about that, maybe we should just uh, remind folks because we touched on this before. This is a subject that that you're interested in. Um, you were reading this book, and you you mentioned it a couple episodes ago that you had you were a couple chapters in. Mm-hmm. And so, is the is the premise that that you know people are starting to recognize the fact that hormonal birth control was never originally designed to be taken for decades and decades of your life? Uh, it's not so much the, not, not quite. Uh, although she, I think she touches on that maybe at some point, but it's just largely that we don't know exactly what this is doing and here's what we, you know, what we might, um, like, here's what we can guess um, here's what we do know. Um, and her main, like the main thing that she wants, ev- she wants women to know is that it's, it's not the case that the pill like just stops your cycle and doesn't really affect you in any other way. Like it is changing who you are on a very deep level. And, and she goes to some lengths to really drill this point um, in, uh, you know, she starts the book with talking about, you know, what are you, you know, like you are your biology and you are your hormones and 
you know, it, it, it changes your hormonal profile, whatever that happens to be, changes a lot about, you know, what we consider, you know, um, ourselves to be. So when you are messing with your hormones, even in this way that's supposed to be extremely safe, you are changing yourself. And it is important that women understand exactly what it is that they're doing, or at least have some have some idea of the risks they might be taking. The book is called This Is Your Brain on Birth Control, The Surprising Science of Women, Hormones, and the Law of Unintended Consequences. And it's by Sarah E. Hill. Um, and it's a very accessible book. The jokes are kind of corny. Um, so, you know, if that bothers wow, you. What's uh, a yeah. joke? What's a birth control joke? No, she just tries to like lighten the mood genre. the whole time. <laughs> it's it's not it's not really about birth control drugs, but she does just she tries to lighten the mood a little bit, insert her voice in it, I guess, and it's a little corny at times. Uh, so uh, yeah, that so it may, it might not be like the funnest read for everybody, but I, I found her style pretty accessible. Um, she's very clear on, you know. Uh, like you know, here's here's what you need to consider, and and here here might be uh, here here's some studies and what we should take from this, uh, what we know, what we don't know, um, and then here's and, and then here's my own kind of less supported theory about what might be happening here, and here's something to consider. Just the one thing that was kind of uh, annoying to me throughout was that she took great pains to stop before she would say anything negative about birth control to say, well, but of course, of course, every (laughs) woman is different. And for some women, it'll work. It's for some women, it's, it's great. And for some women, it makes you, you know, when you're talking about like anxiety or whatever, like for some women, it's great for their anxiety and it's it's just so Uh, Oh, so every single point was qualified. Like it had to be individual basis, not just collectively. Oh, right. Yeah. I wish we had just gotten over it right in the beginning. It was just, it was peppered in through, I mean, she did it in the beginning and then it was peppered in throughout the, the book, which I, I understand why she probably felt that she had to, um, to, you know, forestall kind of the, the, the expected response. Um, so she was very careful about qualifying everything. And, but if that doesn't annoy you too much, I would really recommend, uh, reading the book. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I, I know we, we mentioned this before, like, I, I remember we had a exchange, a couple of months ago about abortion. And I remember you saying that you hardly knew anybody who had had an abortion. And I would say like about, I don't know, a third of women I know have probably had an abortion. And obviously that's because of, you know, of age of women I know have just been around longer, but um, you know, I, I think in your generation, people, girls just go on birth control pretty much. Yeah as yeah. soon as they get their period, right? Yeah. Like Everyone's regardless of whether or not they're sexually active. And so that was right. not the case in my time. Um, so it's a relatively new phenomenon that you have people on hormonal birth control starting forever, like age right? 13. For their whole adult lives, for their basically. Whole, yeah. it, yes. Ex- except for little windows when they're trying to get pregnant or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think it's, it's worth studying. I mean, this is not, this this was not how this medication was initially used so i think it's definitely a conversation worth having it's um yeah but it's such a i mean it 
it's kind of startling when you when you kind of grapple with the science of it um, and how deeply it changes what a woman is, you know, like what a woman is, not just like who you are, but like, you know, it changes you biologically in, in some interesting ways. Um, and, you know, that was, I was just, I never thought about that. I never knew about that. I didn't, my doctor, you know, when I got um, birth control for the first time, I actually got it at Planned Parenthood. Um, that was my first encounter. Were you with like, birth you weren't in high school, I'm assuming. Like, was, <laughs> no, were, you, were you in no. college? I was in college, but I, I couldn't, you know, my parents are, were re- you know, religious, so I couldn't, you know, yeah. um, you know, even if we had like the kind of insurance that would cover it for a long time, we weren't insured. Um, it, it, I had to, I had to do it on my own and pay for it on my own. So I, I went to the Planned Parenthood and, uh, yeah, and I was prescribed it kind of immediately. And I remember within, within, I mean, immediately taking it a couple days, I felt crazy, you know, I mean, just, I felt like I was in a brain fog and then I was told that it takes some time to adjust and I should give it some time, but I wasn't getting any better. And what happened with me was just that I ran into finals week and I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to screw up my my GPA by being on this thing. Uh, and then I gave up, gave it up. And there were other false starts that I had. And it was, it always ended the same way, which is that it just gave me this crazy brain fog and I couldn't describe it. It didn't make me feel, I felt like I wasn't me. And I remember trying to look it up and seeing what is happening and when will it stop? You know, when will I stop uh, feeling like I'm in a haze when will I, you know, like, when will I get back to being me? And there wasn't a lot of information about what I should be expecting. Mm. Um, there was just this general sense of here's an adjustment period and then you'll get over this adjustment period and and and, and that's that. Um, but I I remember it, in, intuitively, you know, it, this, you know, this wasn't something I read. This wasn't something any doctor told me. I just felt that it's doing something to me that I don't like. I don't understand what it is, but it's, uh, I don't, I also don't want to take it. Mm-hmm. What um, year was this about? This was, well, I, I, I tried it a couple of times because I thought, I thought maybe it was just that kind of birth control. So I tried, I think I tried three, three different times I tried to get on birth control. And every single time I tried a different, like a totally different formulation. And every time it, it gave me crazy brain fog. Hmm. Yeah. So I watched a documentary called The Business of Birth Control. Um, This was, funnily enough, um, the producers, one of the producers at least, had heard uh, you and me talking about the subject. And she wrote to me and said, oh, you should watch our our documentary. Uh, So this is a a production of Ricky Lake, the actress, um, and her producing partner, Abby Epstein. They're known for a documentary called The Business of Being Born. It came out in 2008 or something. Are you familiar with that at all? Yeah, yeah, I watched that when it came out. Okay, so like that was about the sort of the um, kind of uh, the the way that, that the birthing process has been 
overly medicalized and that we give too much, you know, that we, that we don't give enough credence to midwives and women can, uh, you know, give birth at home, whatever. It's a very much like, sort of like trust the body kind of message. Am I mm-hmm. characterizing that correctly? Okay. So I think that film was like pretty successful. I mean, I remember people talking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. So now they have uh, the business of birth control and I, I had absolutely no idea what to expect with the film. Um, and I'd say like the first half of it, I thought was really interesting. I mean, it talked about the history of the birth control pill. It talked about the way it's been marketed. Um, I mean, you know, I think we forget, like, I don't, so do you remember the, the pill Yaz? Y-A-Z? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that was the first, um, hormonal contraceptive that was marketed, not even as a contraceptive per se. Like the idea was it was just going to regulate your menstrual cycle, like just take it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stuff was really interesting. And then it got into some stories of women who had like died, um, from stroke and other like really, really outlier cases, uh, from taking birth control pills or in one case, the Nuva ring. Um, and yeah, they were, you know, really heart wrenching interviews with their parents and their parents are involved in lawsuits and activism around this stuff. And, you know, you're kind of like, Hmm. It was, it was, it started to kind of turn into a very message driven film. Uh, like this is something like, this is a sinister plot, uh, Mm -hmm. that, that women are, have been sold a huge bill of goods, uh, around hormonal birth control. And, uh, we should be highly skeptical. And then by the end, it's like showing, it's like, oh, now there's this whole new movement and women are taking control of their fertility and they don't need any kind of like birth control at all beyond the rhythm method. They don't use the term, the rhythm method. That's very old fashioned, but using period trackers and knowing when they're fertile and when there aren't. And like, they're showing all these like educators, activists, educators going around and teaching women how to understand their, their periods. And, um, and then it gets into this entrepreneurial sector and there's all these apps and, there's technology like for again like the the period tracker apps and and anyway it got very 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 i'm not going to say propagandistic but it was like selling these girl bosses like mm. one of the last scenes was like this just <laughs> this like you know convention of female founders or tech founders uh showing their their you know apps and like it was so you go girl and girl mm. boss it was totally ridiculous and there was absolutely no discussion of the fact that like period trackers don't work if you're Mm. a teenager for starters Mm. like that is a really 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 bad method of birth control Mm -hmm. like have we forgotten this like what do they say like you know if the 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 rhythm method is great uh if you want to have a baby (laughs) Yeah. Um I don't know. I just feel like don't don't we have condoms around? I mean, isn't like I feel like there are other I don't know why that this is I don't know why when we say birth control like that's not the first thing that everybody uses. Is that is it out of it's oh, not fashionable? Mean, well, anymore, yeah, there was no like, discussion of like exactly. Well, there was no it was as if like there's hormonal birth control and then there's nothing. Yeah. I mean, condoms I, work, right? Like, that's what it is. Like, condoms well, work. They're 
I mean, not a hundred percent of the time. Not a hundred percent. I mean, I I think they work like eighty. 80, no, no, 80s. they work more they than that. They work really, they work, but like, they work, there's a lot yeah. of user error. There is user uh, error with condoms, unfortunately. But yeah. but it so long as they you, you're just like a normal you're a normal person. Uh, you're not heavily intoxicated. You're not whatever. Like condoms will probably work. Um, they're fairly reliable. And if you think suck. they're not, you can take Plan B or whatever it is uh, the right. next day. Um. I just don't. I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I don't actually understand why we need birth control or something that something other than condoms necessarily. Really? But maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, we need to interview a guy about this. Well, is it really? Men really? Hate it, condoms. They hate them. I mean, do I they? don't blame them. I mean, yeah. They? Okay. Well, all right, commenters. Yeah, tell us it. how much. How much do you hate? condoms um you know I, I feel like but but then that's a weird that's a that's a crazy thing to drive this decision if it really is that i just you know men just hate condoms like for me it was always the pill is making me crazy this is so important that i not be you know like dim or crazy and so i'm just not gonna i'm never gonna take it and i don't care if yeah i guess i never even bothered to ask <laughs> like like but it never seemed to me that this was more important than guys hating it um um really do you do you remember the today sponge no does that ring a bell at all it doesn't it doesn't what is it it was this um it was this thing that came out it was literally a sponge and it was like doused in spermicide or something and you like you know shoved it up there and it was, came out like in the 80s mm. and it was like a great invention. Mm. And uh, uh, then, you know, I have a story about this, but I'm not going to tell it. Maybe I'll save it for the bonus content. But, um, it, you know, it, yeah, it, it seemed like it was a great thing for a while because it was like more effective than condoms. And also like you didn't have to use a condom or something. And uh, then but they they either like went off, they, they went off the market or they became very rare. It became very hard to find them. So it became a, it was a joke on Seinfeld. There was a whole episode of Seinfeld about um, the sponge and the, you know, is he sponge worthy? And Elaine had like a stash of today. Today was the brand, like the today sponge, mm-hmm. like, like the always maxi pad or something. So Elaine had a stash of today sponges and, you know, but there was only certain amount. You can't buy them anymore. And so it was like every boyfriend, she has to decide, if, is he sponge worthy? Because you can only use them one time. It's a one time thing. <laughs> you throw it out. So, yeah. Is he sponge worthy? Well, yeah. I mean, come on. Like, what? you going to say, you know, wear a condom or else. And he's going to say, I don't want to have sex then. Uh, a lot of them will say, I really don't want to use a condom. And then you like, say, I... then, OK, then then we won't have sex. Like, that's. But I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You, like, not, I don't think women like them either. They're like smelly and like sure, sure, yeah. And, but but ugh, like I, I think know. you have to weigh it up against how much you dislike the effects of birth control, or what it might do to you. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that a lot of women cho- are starting to choose other methods, be that condom or anything else. Um, but even um, you know, even IUDs have a lot of like anything hormonal um, has yeah, a lot of issues, are, like like. Yeah. yeah, but people love those. The Morena. I mean, I know I had one for a while. People, women love the Morena. 
And it didn't change you? You didn't feel different on it? Um, Because it's hormonal as well, right? Yeah, it is. It is. But, like, it's like, you know, you kind of forget about it. Um, But I can you explain to me, like, the period tracker phenomenon? I don't understand. Now I sound really old. I don't understand why you can't just, like, mark your calendar. We don't know who has a physical calendar these days. You know, like what? Who? Like I've never. I, I haven't I seen one. Track in my Philo facts. Where I'll have you know? Where, where, yeah, I don't have any physical calendars. Period. And it would just be kind of odd, I guess, to put it on my like. You don't Google know what calendar. day it is. You don't have a calendar like on your computer. You don't have like your eye calendar, like your. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could just. I guess you can just use that. I think the so the period apps like are they also remind you and stuff like like oh you're this around this time last month like you know, so it's, it's a little it's slightly more convenient I guess than than putting it on your on your um, Google <laughs> it just calendar. Blows my mind because like how hard is it to look at your calendar and count the days? I just well, it's not hard to download an app and to to track your period. It's actually easier. The whole thing is easier because it's like tap 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 and you're done. But but um, I, but the idea of it is that the the app actually is smarter than you, right? Because it, it that's what gets it says. The, yeah, it gets the hang of it, uh, and then it tells you more than you would know. But you know, I, I should say um, a friend of mine, and she gave me permission to say this. She was using the one of these things, and she relied on it even against her own intuition like she thought oh i nor if i didn't have this app i would think that i would be fertile right now but it says that i'm not and she got pregnant at 44 oh wow wow she did not want to be wow oh wow these yeah i mean so these things are not great they're not great for really young girls who do not have regular cycles and when you get older you yeah yeah, the rhythm method is crazy i mean i think the apps are just like so that you don't get surprised I think. I don't know. I don't use the apps. What does it like go off? Does it have like an alarm? Does it go like ping? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, like <laughs> what's the sound? Maybe sometimes like I, I don't I don't know. I don't use them. I don't use them. I don't use anything. I just no, I just you're always because you've got seven kids. Uh, yeah. I'm just surprised. I'm just, I just get surprised every cycle and it's insane. But I just I, I really this film and uh apparently it it comes with a uh it, when it was released, it came out in the spring. It, it was released along with a body literacy masterclass that you could buy for $147. And um, it featured a lot of the sort of wellness gurus and hormone coaches. I guess that's a, a thing mm. uh, that spoke in the film. And you're uh, the author of your book, um, Sarah, Sarah Hill, Hill. Yeah. spoke. Uh, well, she was she appeared in this film as well, but she mm-hmm. was a, a pretty neutral talking head um i don't think she she was not one of the sort of um you know people behind the film but it and you know it was the film was uh kickstarted and and produced by a lot of the same people peddling this stuff and you know it also just like it it depressed me not i found it i just thought it was incredibly dangerous that they're sending this message to young girls who like i said there's no way in hell that their cycles are regular enough that they should be they should be using this method anything like this it seems incredibly dangerous um yeah it felt to me i mean i i i saw parts of it and it felt to me that where the film got off track was when they started becoming more like prescriptive about what you should do instead um but up until that point it was pretty interesting yeah i mean at one point somebody in the film says we're saying kill the pill before it kills you Mm -hmm. i mean come on 
It's a yeah. little. I mean, activists. Activists always like to say this. Yes, this kind exactly. Of thing, you know, so, so I, it's a little yeah. exaggerated. But, I mean, and that's um, the other thing too. Like the documentary film is so activist driven now. It didn't mm. used to be that way at all. Like, I mean, we were just talking before about Paris is Burning. Like, that is a classic documentary. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best medium. Just turn it's the a great camera. Medium. Absolutely, I totally agree. Turn the camera on and see what happens. That's not to say that a, a filmmaker doesn't make choices and decisions and doesn't have a point of view, but this these should not be um, like agenda vehicles. And increasingly, that that's what we see. And they, not only like they're they, they're getting nominated for academy awards like it's it's just it, it used to be such um just an incredible art form yeah an intellectual sort of aesthetic experience and now it's just like freaking commercial yeah blackfish i think all it was oh, i couldn't even watch that really why i because anything with animals i can't, I can't oh handle. right 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 oh my gosh like i ended up like giving money to some like whale charity afterwards like i mean it was so <laughs> like it, yeah it, it it was just terrible but 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 that's that's the thing like right like it's a really good medium video is a really great medium for activists to to touch people you know like it's there's like within the nonprofit world um the thing that they they tell you in in you know fundraising trainings and stuff is that you want to center it center on stories and center on people as much as possible so if you can mm. if you can whittle down your cause into one story and you can tell that story and if you can get that person you can put their face you know, their image or photograph somewhere if you can have them tell their own story if you can if you can get these kinds of human touches it like really get somebody to embody the problem then you have you know you have gold you have struck gold at, at and, and if you don't have that you need to find a way to get that you need mm -hmm. to find that subject uh because this is what moves people Pe people are moved by stories and people are moved by stories that involve like one person that they're they're starting to, they gain empathy for and get attached to and that kind of thing so from a from the perspective of an activist like i mean a documentary is a great vehicle uh, yeah. for, for getting your message across. If I had a lot, if somebody gave me a ton of money and was like, what do you want to do with it? Uh, I would make a documentary film. Like for any any cause, any nonprofit that I work for, that's what I would do with it. But you would be clear that that's the purpose of it. You're not passing it off as What does that artwork. mean? I mean, so from the perspective of an activist, you're telling the truth about something. That's what they think that they're doing. Like, I, I mean, so, you know, it's about a, it's about a role, right? I mean, they don't they don't see themselves as activists. Don't see themselves as um, journalists necessarily, but they kind of feel as if they're telling the truth powerfully about this one issue and shedding light on this issue that's not being exposed enough. You know, from the mm -hmm. perspective of the activist, you are telling the truth. Um, you're telling a truth that is hidden away. You don't feel like you're crafting an agenda, even though that is like literally what you are doing, <laughs> but right. there's layers to these things, right? I mean, Blackfish was an agenda driven, you know, uh, documentary it, and it was, it was an activist driven documentary. Um, they had a purpose. They wanted to expose what was going on with these, you know, with these, uh, you know, entertainment, like, like, like centers, yeah. uh, that would, that would y use whales in this way. Um, and they did a really good job at that. And they, they changed the industry. 
So, yeah. I, you know, I mean, so I don't really, I'm not angry at them for using this platform. I expect it. Um, I think from the viewer's perspective, though, you kind of want that old, you know, documentary guy treatment, maybe. At the same time, that, that though, you know, there are a lot of people who think they're going into something and they're, you know, they're, they're going to be telling the nuanced truth about everything. And they try very hard at that. And that's very noble. But ultimately, we're all a little bit biased, aren't we? Like, like we, yeah, we all no, have our own I know. internal agendas. And I guess so. I feel, yeah, I'm just trying to think. You know, I think, too, it just it's so easy to make it's so not easy. It's easier to make things today than it used to be. Like a film like Paris is Burning. She's, you know, shooting on 16 millimeter film. I think mm. it's probably on 16, you know, mm-hmm. on just in, in the late 80s, lugging yeah. around heavy equipment. Right. literally editing yeah. by cutting and splicing and taping physically. I mean, that's how yeah. people would edit back then. And so you don't, it's every decision is taken really seriously and you don't just, and, and you take years to make something. I mean, maybe this is what it is too. You take years and years and years to do a project because it's just logistically, it's, it's really hard to do and you run out of money and you got to get people to help you. And you've got like real technical challenges. And now Mm -hmm. you can kind of just like get a bunch of content together and, you know, you can, you can, I think think it's still, it's still fairly expensive. I mean, it it is, but it's it's, really hard to do a documentary under a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. Um, But but that's nothing. I mean, it would cost and then, and it can just be done quickly and, and you can, you know, they have, you know, editing software that's just, it's the, the stakes feel, I don't just want to say the stakes, you know, I'm going to get, I'm not, I'm just really thinking out loud as I say this. I just, I feel like there's a disposable quality to okay. so much content, no mm. matter what it is. Mm. Um, and, and it comes across, uh, we have so many activist driven documentaries and it's because it just feels like it's easier to get stuff done. You know what, actually, and I was talking to a documentary filmmaker about this recently, and she said that's true. And she also said the, she was a cinematographer and she said, you know, the, the most of the docs that are being made these days are true crime. That's what people oh, want yeah. to see. They just want very oh, that's basic. What, that's, what wi- that's what women want to see. I know, that's, right. That's what, a, that's what the, the Swifty... You know, oh, the chai latte person, like. like that's what she, that's what she, she listens to. Like she listens to true crime podcasts, you know, and she, mm. you know, finds out who's being murdered today uh, <laughs> on her way to work <laughs> Yeah, or as she walks her dog or whatever. Um, it's like, it. that's, yeah. Um, it's very yeah. interesting. Like people want to wh- know what they're supposed to think. They want to watch the activist documentary and be told this is bad. These are the good people. These are the bad people. Or they listen mm. to the true crime documentary. This person was murdered. This is the murderer. This is the victim. Mm. What's yeah. that about? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess in so many ways, having the ability for so many, for so many people to be creating all this kind of content, you know, on the one hand, you know, it's a a thousand flowers are blooming or whatever, right? Like it's, it's, there's an opportunity there for anybody uh, to tell their story, which is important, but there's, as you, an individual only has a certain amount of time 
And you're not going to watch all the documentaries. You're going to watch the stuff that you're already gravitating towards. You're going to watch the stuff that might already uh, fall in line with your views, whatever they might be. So I end up watching a lot of documentaries about you know, religious cults and stuff like that, because mm, it's part of my work. I like, I like you know, those like, Yeah. I mean, it's for me, it's more of like kind of a work thing, you know, but I would I would have probably wait, got it. Wait, wait, wait. That's quite the rationale. No, I'm just well, doing this for work. I'm not really that interested <laughs> no, kind, in kind, kind, kind of. I don't think I'm that interested anymore. I'm really bored with religion. Did you watch all the Nixium docs? Oh, I, I watched some of them. Yeah, I watched. I, I watched. That. I watched I one. Those. I don't know where it was, but it was. Uh, it had everything, didn't it? Because it had like rich Ugh. people, pretty white girls. I'm just weird like, sex stuff. I, I love seeing new age people yeah. who are suckers. Like, what is it? <laughs> it's such a guilty pleasure because I think what it is is you're like watching it and you're like, I would never be so dumb, and it makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Well, okay. So. I, I, I think I think it's just so easy to get pulled into uh, a very specific worldview, um, and I, I feel like that's happening in so many different ways. We're splintering as a as a country and as a culture. You know, we're all watching our own different documentaries. We are all armed with a completely different set of facts. Yeah, we feel emotionally tied to these facts because we've been consuming this media for so long, and we've been hearing all these stories about you know this woman who died because she was on yes or whatever you know like and and it's like wow i'm really like i'm really struck by that and i you know and it's it it they they change you and they change the way that you and you might not even remember that those specific statistics you remember though the way you felt throughout that documentary and that medium is just so it's so emo emotionally impactful that that resonates with you and it forms the way you think you know moving forward and we're all walking around with these kinds of invisible, you know, layers of, of, uh, you know, emotional pulls and pushes that, you know, that affect how we understand our shared reality, you know, and then you get to a point where we just don't understand each other. Ultimately, you know, like I, I don't understand people who don't follow the things I follow, who don't read the articles I read, who don't, Mm -hmm. to whom, you know, my reality isn't so clear. And I think, it's so much of that, like even the anger that we have at other Americans, like, I'm sorry, I'm just like rambling about this, no, but I've, I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about this in a kind of a loose abstract way, but as it relates to our lack of empathy towards other people for thinking differently and for being differently, it's almost as if we can't imagine, we can't imagine that they're watching a different movie. We can't, we have to say that you are an idiot or you know, a tool for the patriarchy or, or pharmaceutical yeah. industry or MAGA conservatism or, you know, SJW drag queen, whatever, you know, like you, you, we have to imagine that um, because we can't, we can't just, we can't think that they're just humans who are in a very, very different context. Uh, they're informed in very different ways. They have had experiences or they have watched the experiences of others and those have formed their their worldview. And then you end up with like a Donald Trump vote or something. Mm. And it's understandable. If you knew that person and you knew their story and you knew the what they're being exposed to all the time, you knew the life that they lived, it would be understandable. And 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 you would empathize with them and you wouldn't feel like they were just a bigoted monster for doing it. Anyway, 
this is yeah. I'm I'm, I'm no, rambling. But this and is why we used. But... This is why we should read novels. I mean, that, so you really like the human experience is so universal. Like, but, the, but yeah, there's a like, there's a shared human experience that we're that's missing. right. You know, there's a yeah. If it, it feels like there's so much of it that, um, you know, it feels like that we've splintered in so many different, so many important ways. Um, I find this to be really distressing too when we talk about polarization we talk about how we're going to come together as a culture and how do we find you know how do, how do we sit by each other next to each other on thanksgiving um mm. you know we're not we're not watching it, it so you know the experience even that you're describing with the documentaries those were expensive documentaries they took forever to make and when they came out it was an event and if you were a certain kind of person you watched them uh, and then you had this shared experience of watching this big film or whatever because it just weren't you didn't have Netflix on all the time. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Which is like an endless buffet of what to, of, of experiences. No, and yet I can never decide. Like I, I try to. It's all garbage. I, you look through Netflix. <laughs> so and like, much I, of it's garbage. I, there's nothing I want to watch on here. Yeah. How can that be? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I like the way you brought that back to sitting at the Thanksgiving table. Yeah, that was, was a very good. Uh, not that's not even a segue that's like a circle back or i don't know what you call that yeah it was some, sometimes you just you just ramble on and then you end up yeah, <laughs> yeah, you end you up where what? you want yeah sometimes segues just choose you <laughs> yeah but i anyway i i enjoyed this uh sarah hill's book a lot i found yes. it, it wasn't it didn't feel activisty and she went she 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 tried very hard to keep it to keep it constrained um, in that perspective and to keep it on mm -hmm. the science and what we know and what we don't know. Uh, and she was careful about qualifying when she's theorizing openly about here, here's what might be the effect of this on like cortisol levels. For example, there's a whole chapter about stress response. And I did not hundred percent understand it well enough to, e to even relate it to you now, except to say that there is an effect. Um, there was uh, some discussion about the way that uh, birth control changes the way women, you know, the way what what women find attractive in a man. You know, oh, yeah. For, you know, so there was, I think, that was in the documentary as well. They they discussed some of those studies. So, right? like, if you're on uh, birth control, you're going to be a lot less discriminating uh, than if you're not. Is that the idea? I, I think it's it's a it's more complex than that. It's it's that yeah. who you're who you're attracted <laughs> really? to change who you're attracted okay, to right. actually changes, yeah. right? So it's 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 that you find for naturally cycling women, um, naturally cycling women will find uh, very manly men uh, very attractive, especially when they're at like peak ovulate like at, at their peak of of their cycle. Um, fertility wise manly and men okay like okay. Tra traditionally masculine men you know jawlines mm -hmm. and high testosterone levels and that kind of thing and women on the pill um not so much which they is like, interesting like club, club they like cucks <laughs> they like <laughs> okay so maybe the pill maybe the birth control pill is playing a role in the like demasculinization of society you know, I, th I thought about that as I was reading this. I was like, wait, so you're telling me these guys are being, you know, th they're reproductively successful in a way that they, 
you know, have not. Yes. So, so it, yes. They're it, not being, yeah. They're, they're not being uh, sort of like factored out or whatever. They're not. Yeah. They're staying yeah. within the gene pool. E- yeah. Uh, isn't that interesting? So, right. So before birth control, these women, I mean, we're talking like over like enormous amounts of time. So like evolutionarily, but so before birth control, only the very, very manly men survived. But wasn't that true anyway? Let, okay, like, let's just narrow this down to, like, the last 50... Well, it is the last 50 years, 60 years, because we're talking about birth control. I mean, that's the other thing, too. I think people forget the birth control pill has just been around for such a short period of time, relatively yeah. speaking. And it's been... it's. I mean, it's been adopted so widely, given... Oh, yeah. I given mean, the short... It's, it's like... It's kind of like porn in that respect, where it's like, <laughs> after you get to a certain age of people, it's hard to find somebody that isn't on it you know like that it, when it right. comes well in my in my age or hasn't you know? or hasn't been yeah no of course or hasn't been at I some mean, point yeah yeah no and i mean it was just such a game changer for people's autonomy like mm-hmm. men's and women's i mean i think i've said this before everybody was a slave to biology uh before the pill people people forget but okay but like like the kind of conversations that i and others are having with richard reeves for instance who wrote that the book of, of boys and men about how boys are falling behind like he talks about how feminine value you know whatever quote unquote feminine values are sort of the dominant cultural sort of Mm -hmm. norm Mm -hmm. and is that because men who then adopt those values or just even unconsciously internalize them somehow Mm -hmm. are more likely to be selected as mates because women are on birth control wildly theorizing there we i mean i think that's totally, well that's yes. the logic of that's if it is true that these guys are more reproductively successful than they would have been um uh, which this evidence seems to indicate might be possible then over time of course yeah that'll happen but that's probably that's probably not the only reason that we're all becoming like a cucked out culture <laughs> um. <Cucked> out. <laughs> that should have been the name of this show of this podcast Cucked out. out with Sarah and Megan. Hmm. Yeah. No, uh, well, no, it can't be because I that almost sounds like we're the cucks. No, I know. Yeah, we're you just know, commenting. This we're, is just we're, we're not cucks. We're women. women aren't women aren't cucks, yeah. right? Can't yeah, be. Yeah, really. Is there what's is there a, a female version of cuck? Like a what's what would it be? Well, I, I think there is. Yeah, there is. There is like a female version. I don't know what it's called, but it might be a similar thing. But it's like doormat. <laughs> it's it's similar it's like cuck something and then it's it's those are women that that Cuckette. like it <laughs> i like that cuckette yeah uh, um doesn't have the same connotation so i like it <laughs> she 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 theorizes a lot in her in her book about what the consequences of the pill might be you know to 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 broader society and just the fact that it changes our sexual desire and drives in so many important ways. I mean, it changes the drives and desires of women, which of course changes the behavior of men. (laughs) You know, like if, if men feel that they have to do certain kinds of things to gain female, you know, uh, attention and like retain the woman, um, then they will do those things because that's the, that's a very, that's a very, very powerful drive for them. So even if it's not like necessarily like, like genetically cucked men i mean they will behave differently if women are choosing differently right 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 all right so we should just get rid of birth control totally we should just go back i think that's the that's the conclusion we have to reach a conclusion right pretty clearly like very clearly yeah everybody give it up 
everybody become a trad wife. Um, yes, even the just men. have babies all the time. The uh, men should become trad wives. Everybody, yes. both sexes. Well, they be have trad to because they're they're cucks. So they're yeah. You could, you know, those men, they could wear like prairie dresses. Yes. Uh, Good. We've solved it. All right. Yeah. No, this done, is gonna be done. seen. Like, you know, yeah. I think I think we could stop the stop the whole podcast now. I think our yeah. our, our job is done here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all right. Well, uh, is there anything else? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, no, to cover here. This is it. I think we've we've yeah, we've, we've talked so. enough. Yeah. Yeah. And right. it's we'll Thanksgiving, so we need to go yeah. back to like cooking to or not cooking or whatever. I'm going to go back to, yeah, re- resume my, my pre-eating. So, uh, okay, we're going to do some bonus content. Um, but but for now, I guess uh, see you guys. See you now. now. Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. 